Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. From a Barbie doll world to missions of the impossible variety, summer movie season is just starting to heat up. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. When temperatures top 90 degrees, and even jumping in the lake doesn't cool you down, the movie theater beckons. Sitting in that sweet AC in front of the big screen, snacking on popcorn and getting lost in another world, hearing the collective gasps and laughter ripple through a crowd, there is nothing quite like it. And if trailers can tell the future, there are some blockbusters in store for us this summer. Everything from comebacks to directorial debuts and films that have been getting lots of buzz for months. Richard Roper is entertainment columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, and he's here to preview 15 films coming out this summer. Welcome, Richard. Sasha, you got me so excited, and this is my job. And you, that, That's better than that Nicole Kidman commercial Didn't they have about going really back good? to the theaters. Well, it is. That's one of the great things about the summer movie season is going back to the theaters and yes. having that communal experience, which, of course, we didn't have for a couple of years. Yeah, I went back to the theater just a couple weekends ago with my kids. We saw Super Mario Brothers, and oh, yeah. I was in heaven. Right. <laughs> Nostalgia. And, it, and it's so great to have that experience with your kids. They'll remember that the rest of their life, seeing that with mom yeah. in the theater and that big, giant, dreamlike kind of experience. Nothing like it, as I said. Well, tell us this. Is there anything different about the movies that come out in the summer versus the Thanksgiving, the Christmas stretch? Like, what makes a good summer movie? That's a great question. You know, a a long time ago, the summer movie season was kind of considered, oh, we'll just put the, you know, the secondary releases. But starting in the 70s with movies like Jaws and Star Wars, they realized that just for the reasons you mentioned, that people want to escape in the cool darkness of a movie theater in summertime. So you get a lot of the big blockbusters in the summer. You get prestige films as well. But when we get to Thanksgiving and the holiday season, as you mentioned, that's when you get most of the Oscar contenders, the more serious films. Mm-hmm. But the summer is mostly about the big popcorn entertainment. Well, what about this writer's strike that's happening right now? Do you anticipate that having an impact on release dates, mm-hmm. maybe? I think it'll have, you know, all of these films are pretty much done. There might be a few where they're still doing some editing. Where we're going to see that ripple effect is next summer, both with Uh. streaming series and with theatrical releases, because right now, movies that would be coming out in 2024 are shut down. Yeah, so those releases might be very well pushed back. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. sure. So you wrote about Guardians of the Galaxy in your preview, which came out on Friday. I know that you saw it as well. You must find Counter-Earth familiar. Counter-Earth? I visited your planet many years ago. Earth hasn't been my planet in a long time. Your people had wonderful spirit. Mm. The art and music and literature were some of the finest in the universe. Earth would be a fabulous place were it not for the ignorance and bigotry. Okay. It inspired me to create Counter-Earth. I don't care. All of the good and none of the bad. I don't need another speech by some impotent whack job whose mother didn't love him rationalizing why he needs to conquer the universe. I'm not trying to conquer the universe. I'm perfecting it. So without giving us any spoilers, (laughs) I've been saying this to my friends and family because I know quite a few people who have seen this one already. 
but you wrote that it was emotional. Yeah, it really is. One of the reasons I love the Guardians films is that they're a band of misfits. You know, they they look different. They talk different, even in the world of superhero movies. But they're a family. They're a family unit. And you get the origin stories of some of these characters that we've seen in the previous Guardians movies. And I was like, I did not expect to go to a Guardians of the Galaxy movie and be reaching for the tissues. And crying. But if you don't tear up at the end of this movie, <laughs> you might be dead. That's all I'm saying. Are you human? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're in Marvel's Phase 5, right, uh, right, of the cinematic universe. As the MCU keeps expanding, uh, some moviegoers, they're talking about this so-called superhero fatigue, mm-hmm. Richard. Is there truth to that, or do you think that there's just endless appeal here? I do think there is some superhero fatigue. I, I think... They're going to have to make some adjustments. We've seen all the special effects and all the huge, famous comic book characters. And I think we're going to see some secondary characters from the comic books emerge. And also you need stories like Guardians of the Galaxy. And in fact, I'll jump ahead a little bit if you don't mind. Spider-Man Across the Mm Spider-Verse, which is the animated movie, uh, the sequel to the first one, where you had Miles Morales, this young teenager from Brooklyn, you know, and you had this very diverse, different Uh Spider-Man and different Spider-Men and Spider-Women. And that was a huge hit because people are like, we've seen the basic Spider-Man story, three different versions of it (laughs) since the year 2000. We've seen three different Spider-Men. Doesn't matter. My kids Uh, are dying to see this new one. Yeah, absolutely. But, But I think that's one of the reasons why this one is going to be so popular because it's unique. It's a little bit different. You can't just keep having someone who's threatening to blow up the universe and then everybody bands together to save the world. Right. Exactly. We need something more. When you say it like that, Richard, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like every plot. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing Hollywood loves to cash in on, it's a franchise. And in this case, yes. we're talking about Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones. Let's start with Mission Impossible sure. Dead Reckoning Part 1, which will be out in July. Here's a little bit from that trailer. Your days of fighting for the so-called greater good are over. This is our chance to control the truth, the concepts of right and wrong for everyone for centuries to come. You're fighting to save an ideal that doesn't exist. Never did. You need to pick a side. Okay, so this sounds exciting and high stakes. Yes, absolutely. Must we make more of a classic, though? Uh, You know, it's interesting because this is one of the few franchises that almost each film has gotten better and darker and more complex. As you can tell, there's world politics playing into this. And this is essentially, Tom Cruise never played James Bond because he's an American, but he's this is his James Bond franchise. Because it started off the Mission Impossible, the, it was a group of people, of yeah. individuals, going all the way back to the old TV series. And now it's really his story. Uh, and they really are. They're incredibly well done. We all know that Tom Cruise is, quite frankly, crazy. We see him doing these stunts. <laughs> so almost every time they film one of these movies, they have to take a break after he you know, snaps his ankle or pulls a hamstring because he's 60 years old. But he's incredible. So in most cases, by the time you get to the seventh film of a franchise, I'm over it. But I'm actually really looking forward to this. Yeah, so you have high hopes, even though this is number seven. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> these are re- really well done. And one of the things I love about these, of course, there's going to be special effects. But they really go to all these exotic locations around the world. And you can see that on the screen yeah. when they're in Vienna, when they're in Iceland, when they're in Italy. And that, that you know, the huge budget there is put to good effect. 
So Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, your first take on this yeah. one. Yeah, well, you know, Indiana Jones, again, this iconic, you know, Harrison Ford has played Han Solo in the Star Wars movies and Indiana Jones, two of the most iconic franchise uh, of all time. I think Harrison Ford's finally starting to have some fun in his 70s, it feels like. You know, he's done a couple of TV shows now with Shrinking and uh, the sequel to Yellowstone. And he's finally loosening up at the age of 164. It finally feels like Harrison Ford. Because he plays... So Tom you know, Cruise is 60. Harrison's 164. Yeah, gonna, okay. don't, don't quote me. Don't Wikipedia me on this, folks. But uh, uh, that's part of the charm of his character, of course, as Indiana Jones is this stoic guy. I, I feel like maybe the franchise has played itself out, but the fact that Harrison Ford is coming back... One last time mm-hmm. is the selling point here. Yeah, I mean, it includes Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Fleabag mm-hmm. as a yeah. co-star. There are rumors that Harrison Ford's going to get written out of the franchise and turn the reins over to her. I think that would be the smart move. You know, they did that. We, you know, Speaking of James Bond, Daniel Craig in the last James Bond, he was 100% written off because he was yeah. killed off. Spoiler alert, the movie came out but a while ago. But not everybody's ago. happy about this, though. Yeah, well, you know, and a lot of people get really upset about movies they haven't seen and childhood memories of theirs that are somehow sullied because they're not going to be exactly the same. Uh, people don't like change. They don't like change, especially in their movies. And, you know, my basic uh, response to that is get over it. Wes Anderson has a new film called Asteroid City. It has an all-star cast, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Tilda Swinton. What's the premise of this one? The premise of this is set, uh, I think, in the 1950s at a junior stargazers convention in a fictional desert town. So it's all about middle America and the middle of the 20th century. And you just mentioned the cast. Wes Anderson is one of those directors who every actor wants to work with because his films are are quirky and different. Mm. And speaking of the, the writer strike, they're all about great screenplays. Yeah, also the the amount of, you better not be acting like you're in a Wes Anderson movie when I get there. TikToks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once you made it to TikTok. Right? I mean. That's generational <laughs> that's appeal of, right there. <laughs> totally. I want to dig into uh, the films that are coming out of A24 Studios. Uh, so for those who aren't familiar, this is the studio that's behind award-winning films like Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, that brought home, as we know, seven Oscars last month. Just on fire right now, right? And, and they just released Bo is Afraid, another film that my kids yeah. want to see. Uh, this one stars Joaquin Phoenix. So mm-hmm. what did they have in store for us this summer that you've got your eye on? Well, the thing about A24 is you don't get to know a lot about their movies until they come out, which is kind of great. Like, for example, Bo is Afraid. Yeah. So it's Not just a lot thing. of promo. No, they don't do that because they just say something coming from A24. So that's that's a case where I don't usually get to see the movies until maybe a couple of so days before they come out. they do that on purpose. Out. They do that on purpose okay. because they... they uh, listen, it's not the greatest example anymore because of things that have happened afterward. But Miramax had that prestige name in the '90s before all the you know the horrible behavior uh, was you know brought to light. But yeah. the studio itself mm-hmm. did have that buzzness where it was just, that you would be like, okay, I'm going to go see that movie, and that's how it is now with A24. In I fact, see. you mentioned kids; they even wear like A24 merchandise, is and they reselling it and you know, wow. buying it up, and yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, which which films do you have your eye on? You hurt my feelings. Is one? Uh, yeah, you hurt my feelings. Is um, uh, it's got uh, uh, sorry, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus mm-hmm. in it, and it, it it's one of these character driven things. What I like about this is so Julia plays a writer, and she's in rare for a movie. She's in a marriage that's actually very happy after twenty five years. There's no midlife crisis, and she's a pretty successful writer. And her husband does very well. He's a therapist, and she overhears him saying to a mutual friend that he doesn't really care for her latest book. He didn't like it. 
And that one Ooh. comment, and you know as a creative. That is a you know, no-no. And just that one overheard line makes her question the entirety of the authenticity of their union. And he's mm. saying, oh, I was just trying to support you. And she said, if you lied to me about this, <laughs> did you hate all of my work all these years? Yikes. What's true, what's not? So I, I love that premise. Tell it's me they go like, see a therapist. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's almost like a parlor game. What would you do if you overheard your partner saying something about your work that was negative, and how would you react to that? Oh, yeah, all jokes aside, that, that would be right? tough. That it's would a be tough, tough situation. Yeah. All right, up next for A24 is Talk to Me. Now, this one, it looks terrifying, but so good, Richard. This is this is about teenagers. Uh, they're learning that uh, they can conjure spirits. It's really interesting to me to see this renaissance in what they, you know, the cliche term is elevated horror. But they're more than just, you know, the Friday the 13th and Halloween movies were so much just about, you know, the final girl being chased and a lot of splattering. And now there's a lot more spirituality and depth to the plot but eventually you get down to the fact that you get a bunch of people who do things they shouldn't do Mm -hmm. you're like why would you why would you (laughs) why would you blow the dust off that ancient book with demons on the front of it (laughs) as we see an evil dead rise or why would you figure out that you can conjure spirits of but because it's a 24 and it's a late summer release sometimes you get some real cool surprises toward the end of summer the blockbusters have all been released you're looking for something clever and original i think that's what talk to me will be all right, let's switch gears because people have been posting about this for months. And by people, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just posted an Instagram story like days ago. It's coming out this summer. I'm talking about Little Mermaid. How do right. you feel about live action Disney remakes in general? You know, going back to people and their childhood memories, I always remind folks that I'm actually a pretty big fan of a lot of the live action uh, versions they've done, whether it's Lion King or Dumbo, Cinderella. I mean, let's face it, Disney got smart about 15 years ago and said, why would we, we own all these properties? We're not going to do reanimated versions of them. We're going to do live action. Yeah. And, And my response always is. They're not going to take away the animated film. If that's the one you prefer, that's fine. It's still going to be out there. So I know people are so, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, they're ruining my childhood memories. And I'm like, what a fragile childhood you must have had if your memory of Little Mermaid is going to be ruined (laughs) by a new version. So uh, I keep an open mind. I'm going to see it uh, uh, next week. Uh, It's got a wonderful cast. It's retaining the same storyline. It may be a little jarring to see some of these, you know, little fishies and and crustaceans talking because they're very realistic looking. I know in The Lion King it was a little strange because you kind of couldn't hardly really tell the difference between the various lions in some cases. You're like, well, that's just a lion. Well, now Beyonce's talking like a lion. Now James Earl Jones is. I guess they're different lions. Right, right, right. Well, you know, here's the thing with Little Mermaid, right? We know that when we first got word about this, it got a lot of racist backlash when the trailer dropped. Do you think that that will impact ticket sales at all? Either, you know, people showing support for the movie or whether they'll steer clear. I personally think it won't. I I think the people who make those racist comments aren't smart enough to tie the laces of their shoes, let alone find their way to the theater to watch a movie. So my feeling is it will not impact it. And again, when people talk about something not being historically accurate, I'm like, so you're saying that you have evidence of what real mermaids look like? (laughs) Okay, so we gotta talk about Barbie. Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Barbie. 
Hi, Ken. I see memes all over social media. I was wondering, what is everyone doing? Why is everyone putting their picture in this Barbie frame? Yeah, they've done a brilliant job of sort of doing this guerrilla marketing where they just, oh, some photos just got leaked from the set. How could that possibly yeah, have happened? so much attention. That Margot though. Robbie and Ryan Gosling are standing on the street corner in costume. And you, know, you, you look at this and you go, listen, they tried to make a movie out of G.I. Joe and it didn't work. But then you look at, you know, uh, Greta Gerwig, who's such a brilliant filmmaker, and her partner, Noah Baumbach, uh, writing the screenplay with her. And the description, basically, that Barbie gets kicked out of the Barbie world for not looking perfect. So then she goes into the real world. And Will Ferrell plays the CEO of Mattel, who tries to pursue her and bring her back. So you know this is going to be a lot more than just a frothy, superficial, Interesting. pink story. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking with Richard Roper, Chicago Sun-Times entertainment critic about movies that are hitting the screen this summer. All right. So one movie that made your list, Richard, is Joyride, right? And this is a directorial debut of a screenwriter behind films like Crazy Rich Asians and Raya and the Last Dragon. I'm talking about Adele Lim. One of our producers is split, though, because she loved Crazy Rich Asians, but she didn't like Raya. So what's your prediction? Well, yeah, Ryan the Last Dragon was a, a film that had kind of uh, polarizing, you know, views. I think almost everybody loved Crazy Rich Asians. They did such a beautiful job. Adele Lim did such a great job adapting a book. And when you're adapting a beloved book mm -hmm. to a movie, people have such affection and, and you know really embrace the book. And she did a beautiful job. So now she's making her directorial uh, debut in this road trip movie about four young women who make this journey. It's a buddy movie, but it's also one of them is searching for her uh, biological mother and they're going across China. So the advance word from the film festivals is that, it, first of all, it's visually stunning, mm. but also you get these you, these great performances, including uh, Stephanie Hsu, who just was nominated for Everything Everywhere All at Once, is, is kind of leading the cast here. Yeah. So the buzz on this is 99.9% .9 positive. Love it. So on the, the flip side, we have a seasoned director and writer coming out with a film in July and the so-called father of the atomic bomb. Mm, <laughs> I saw yeah. that trailer. It already looks like it's going to be great. Let's listen. We imagine a future. And our imaginings horrify us. They won't fear it. until they understand it. And they won't understand it until they've used it. Theory will take you only so far. also can't forget the uh, the cast. Uh, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's a list of A-list actors, too. Absolutely. Killian Murphy is playing Oppenheimer. Then you have Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr. and Emily Blunt, Rami Malek. The list goes on and on. Christopher Nolan is one of the very few writer-directors who has the clout in Hollywood to make the movies he wants to make. 
in the style he wants to make them and to mandate that they be released only in theaters. And this is obviously an Oscar contending film. He actually shot this in IMAX and actually shot a lot of it in black and white, which wow. is the first time. Yeah, he's the kind of director, he's sort of like James Cameron, although a lot of people would say he's, Nolan's a more gifted storyteller, mm-hmm. where he has to wait for the technology to catch up with his visions sometimes. So this is sure to be great looking, obviously very uh, heavy source material, and probably one of the few films from the summer that's going to emerge with 10 Oscar nominations. Oh, for sure. So BlackBerry comes out this week. You saw it. Yes. What's that about? And and how effective was Uh, it? I love, (laughs) Tasha, I love this movie. Uh, BlackBerry, now, first of all, some of your younger listeners might just think that's the fruit you can can buy at the grocery (laughs) store. But not that long ago... The BlackBerry, as you know, was everything. It was in all the hip-hop songs. Oh, it was, yes. It was called a Crackberry because it was so addictive. <laughs> That's this right. I remember the, that. So this is the story of the... It, and it's really interesting, too, because it's a bunch of tech nerds up in Ontario, Canada. Not in Silicon Valley. Not Ivy Leaguers like Zuckerberg. But they were brilliant, and they came up with this handheld device. And mm-hmm. the revolutionary thing was you could get your email on it and make calls. It had that little clicking sound, mm-hmm. and you were supposed to type with your thumbs. So Blackberry this is, Messenger, right? baby. <laughs> it was the biggest thing in the world. And uh, this movie is very much like The Social Network. It tells the origin story. The difference is, at the end of The Social Network, we're told that Facebook you know, went on to become this you know, giant thing. At the end of Air, the recent Michael Jordan movie, mm-hmm. where, of course, we know what happens with Nike. BlackBerry had 45% of the smartphone market 15 years ago. You know what percentage they have of the smartphone market now? Uh, two. Zero. <laughs> that, it, I thought there zero. was still like it probably a does couple have, of people just hanging whole, on. A couple of holdouts waiting to hear back. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's this incredible story about this spectacular rise. And then, of course, mm. a guy named Steve Jobs walked onto a stage in 2007, I think it was, and held up this little device and said, it's an iPod, it's a phone, <laughs> and it's an email receptor all in one, and we're going to call it the iPhone. Yes. And that was the meteorite, <laughs> the meteorite that, the that, end. that ended the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, but it's really very well done film. Great performances and has that kind of docu-indie style. So cool. Uh, that's Chicago Sun-Times entertainment columnist Richard Rover. Thank you so much for joining us. You can check out Richard's guide at chicagosuntimes.com. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic, and it was edited by Andrew Mayerweather and Meha Ahmed. If you want to be up on all the big news happening in our state and across the country, have you subscribed to the Reset newsletter? That's a great way to start your morning with the headlines everyone's talking about. Plus, you can join the conversation and tell us what you think. Subscribe now by going to wbez.org slash reset and enter your email. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you this afternoon. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.